This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks, welcome back. I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing, and I'm going to try to take my horticulture hat off as much as possible. You know, that's so left brain. Horticulture is sort of like crop production. If you're trying to fill a freezer or get yard of the month or, or uh, get a blue ribbon someplace, you're just trying to have a beautiful showpiece out there. If it's goal-oriented, there's a lot of little tricks and tips and things like that I can share with you, maybe a little problem-solving. That's horticulture. It's goal-oriented. Gardening, on the other hand, it's just it's more process. We're enjoying who we are, where we are, what we're doing. Sometimes it's not that fun, and we're looking for ways to make it you know, less tasky, I guess. But the main thing is no matter what your goal is or whether you're just trying to enjoy the ride, if you've got questions, you've got comments, you've got unusual things you're not sure about, maybe your squash is making squash but they're not getting big, they're just falling off, or maybe you've got some kind of really weird thing going on, or just something fun to share with other gardeners, this is a good chance. It's a non-profit thing. I hear some music in the background. Is that me, Java? No, that was that was me. Sorry, sorry about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a second. Did Java push your wrong button? It doesn't happen often, but it happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling you out, brother. I'm calling you out because <laughs> that's okay, man. Hey, listen, we've got the phone lines wide open this morning. You ready to take some phone calls about gardening? Oh yeah, they can always call us one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four one eight seven seven MPB ring. All right, man. And folks, you, you heard my boss here say it. It's a call-in program, and you have an opportunity to talk to somebody and I could try to tell you anything. So, some of my ideas seem kind of off the wall to some people, I guess, because I, even though I'm very tightly wound and there's a lot of little details about horticulture and gardening that, that can make a difference uh, in so, where, where difference is important, a lot of us are just trying to enjoy ourselves and sometimes need permission to relax <laughs> And I'm the guy for that. So you want to give us a call if you've got anything that's related to gardening, uh, the weather, anything like that, uh, insects, blight disease, lawn care, shrubs, pruning, vegetables, herbs, whatever. Give us a call. It's toll-free from anywhere, one eight seven seven mpb ring we got the lines wide open right now. I've got about an hour or so just to chat about it. We have some real cheesy music coming up in uh, in a, a few minutes, super cheesy music. But let me throw out a couple of things. First of all, I am still overseas. I'm in northern England, and I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but um, I know how hot it is, and, and we all you know wish we could get a good rain. But you know, the, the truth is where I am right now, it's, it's, it's cool. Matter of fact, it's going to get up tomorrow into the mid-60s, the mid-60s. I can grow some stuff here that won't thrive in Mississippi June, like English peas. Matter of fact, I planted some English peas a couple of weeks ago, and they're up about six inches, and they're starting to send out those little tendrils to wrap around things. So this weekend, I fix them up by making a frame out of some willow stems. I cut some willow stems, made a little wooden frame, uh, to make them easier for picking and keep them away from the slugs. I also stuck in a few flowering plants to make it look more garden-esque. I put some white, dusty miller a spreading verbena, and an old-fashioned flower called Sanzatalia. It's a weird plant. It's an old-fashioned plant native to Mexico called Creeping Zinnia. Looks sort of like miniature black-eyed Susans on a spreading plant. I'm rooting some rosemary, too, which will make roots in just, 
just water in about three weeks. Anyway, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Let's start out this morning by going down to McGee and talking with George. Morning, sir. Hello. How you doing? Fine, fine. What's going on? Uh, well, I have a question. I'm, I've only moved here in the past year, and um, I grow indeterminate tomatoes. And, right. Um, I, I know I'm, I'm from the Houston area, so I know my tomatoes are going to burn out at some point this summer. And yeah. I was wondering when I should stick some suckers in the ground so they can root up and, and be my fall tomatoes. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, uh, and oddly enough, even though Houston is, uh, what, about 400, not, not quite 500 miles from, from us, um, we have almost the same conditions. You know, it doesn't get a whole lot hotter there than it does here it, for some reason. They're very similar climates. But when the temperatures start hovering in the, the upper 90s for several days, those flowers and little fruits are going to fall off. So uh, you can plant tomatoes in the Jackson area as late as in the McGee area as late as around the first or second week in August and still get a crop before frost. So I start rooting them sometime uh, next month. And uh, okay. sometime in, in July, and uh, plan on setting them out the first part of August, first couple of weeks of that. And, and they'll be fine. Okay, great. Thank you. I, I, well, I want to ask you a question first, George. Sure. Why, indeter- why, why indeterminate? Why, why, I mean, did you say determinate or indeterminate? Indeterminate. I, don't know. I just like to, what I do is I make a big frame out of um, uh, the cast iron pipe, like for, for gas lines, you know, like the 10-foot yeah, yeah. poles. I make like a rectangular frame out of it, and I just yeah. run strings down it, and I grow them up those strings. They get 8 or 10 foot tall. And yeah, I just yeah. take tomatoes off of them. <laughs> right now they're about well, but, seven foot tall. So. Know, well, don't don't give up on the plants. You know, sometimes we have problems with leaf diseases that cause the plants to turn brown, the leaves going up the plant. But you know, it's possible to keep indeterminate vines alive over the summer with a little, just a little bit of fertilizer every now and then. I'm not pushing the roots on, but you know, if your old vines look good, let them keep on going. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to plant some suckers kind of right next to the big ones, and in case they didn't make it, I'd just string them up the same string. There you go. Well, be sure when you plant them. In the summertime, you can plant them a little bit deeper than you do in the spring because tomatoes are about the only vegetable with their roots up now on the stem and cover the ground with mulch to keep a little bit cooler. So plant them a little yeah, bit I've got deeper. A, I've got a drip line and mulch and all sorts of stuff going. So. <laughs> Fantastic, man. Well, good luck on it, Jordan. Let us know how it works. I will. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's slide up to Jackson. Talk with Jesse. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. Um, How are you? I wanted to, I'm fine. Uh, wanted to check with you. I have uh, some flower beds in the back of my yard that have azaleas and a bunch of other things growing in them. And they're all underneath a bunch of trees. And over yeah. the years, the leaves have just kind of piled up in the under, under there underneath the bushes. And I'm wondering whether that all needs to be mulched or whether I can just leave it there and let it decay on its own without any problem. Well, you talking about the tree leaves? Yes. Yeah, they, they'll decompose on their own. But one thing you can do that'll help a lot is a swing by garden center that sells this stuff called cotton seed meal. Uh, yeah. cotton, cotton seed meal, it's a natural product. It's got a lot of nitrogen in it, which will help your plants, but also it's got protein in it. And I'm, when I say a light dusting, I mean, a pint jar will cover uh, an area about uh, 10 feet by 10 feet. You know, uh-huh. it doesn't take much. But if you'll just dust a little cotton seed meal over there, you'll get earthworms that are like 
10 inches long. They'll, they'll help eat those leaves and circulate them down around the roots. Instead of them just de- you know, composting on top of the ground, the worms will actually dig it down deep into the ground, which helps your, your plant roots grow a whole lot better, too. So in other words, feed the worms a little cottonseed meal, that little protein, and they will really help the depth of all your plants, as well as get rid of those leaves. I've heard you mention that before, and I was going to – I've been meaning to call you and ask you, could you just do that in your yard? In other words, my yard is like concrete, and I was just wondering yeah. maybe if I uh, just put it over my grass, that that would help the uh, the, the, the uh, worms in the yard to improve the, the quality of the of the soil in my yard. Well, it, it will, but in the case of grass, uh, just the grass clippings alone will feed the worms. So if you'll, get, if you'll put on your lawn... A, a small amount of this long, slow-acting type of long food. You can use cottonseed meals a little on the expensive side, but it goes a long way. Hard to spread it that thin on the lawn is what I'm saying because it's such a small amount. You know, you figure uh, 10 pounds will cover 1,000 square feet. It's hard to spread dust like that. But anyway, it, it would help. But I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but if you'll raise your mower up a little bit, that would help probably more than anything because worms do eat grass clippings at night. Okay, well, I already cut it as high as I can cut it. Yeah, well, that's that's about the best you can do. And uh, if you'll give it just a little bit of a good, look, have you got like St. Augustine or Centipede or something? Got zoysia in the front and St. Augustine in the back. Okay, uh, there are different kind of grasses. Um, zoysia actually does better with cut about a medium setting. St. Augustine. So I would cut it, you know, not on your high setting, but the next to high setting. But you know, that'd be good for both the grasses. And, um, you know, if you use a slow-acting type of lawn food, like the, what they sell for centipede grass, that'll work perfectly mm. well on both of those. And it gives a long, steady, slow feeding. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen how worms work, but they come up at night, and they leave their tail in the hole in the ground, and they swirl around part out of the hole, and they find bits of the grass, and they pull it down in the holes and eat it that way. So they'll, you know, they'll, they'll recycle the grass clippings about as much as anything else. So uh, cotton meal won't hurt. But I wouldn't, you know, you don't, I wouldn't lay it on thick. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have a okay, great Jesse. Stay cool and hydrated. I'll do it. All right. Okay. Hey, uh, Java, have you been following the uh, that raccoon thing up in Minneapolis? Yeah, I saw it, and we actually talked about it, uh, you know, on our animal show, Creature Comforts, just Creature yesterday. Comfort. Yeah. <laughs> what was the general consensus? Hey, folks, in case y'all don't know what we're talking about, there was a... Uh, up in uh, St. Paul, there was a uh, raccoon that somebody noticed was gro- that was cl- uh, on top of uh, was I, I guess it was a big tall building up there. Yeah, it was and, actually the um, I think the Minnesota Public Broadcasting Building. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Well, um, it got stranded on the office tower. People were upset about it, but gradually it climbed up the roof of like a twenty-three the the, the Mississippi Putton. Excuse me, Minneapolis public broadcasting thing, twenty-three stories high. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it, that was a uh, like I did. I myself didn't know raccoons could like do their Spider-Man impression. Like it was on the side of the wall, like just hanging on. <laughs> well, I I have one that lives up under my my back deck, and it's a pretty thing. You know, they're kind of bold and all, but um, uh, and they ended up catching it in a live trap with some cat food, and they they released it someplace else, but. I think I've got a theory, Java. I think I know why the raccoon was impounded again with. Uh oh, here we go. (laughs) Well, as you know, Minnesota is right next to both North and South Dakota, the states up there. I think the raccoon was on a mission, which brings me to a Beatles tune from my youth. 
as performed by Lena Horne. You want to play that before we go into our break? This is, this is my theory about why that raccoon was in Minneapolis to begin with. Now, somewhere in the black mining hills of Dakota, there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. One day, his woman ran off with another guy. Hit young Rocky in the eye. Rocky didn't like that. He said, I'm gonna get that boy. So one day, he walked into town and booked himself a room in the local saloon. So you're telling me this was this was over a, a lady raccoon, man? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Dakota's right next to Minnesota, so I think he, I think he was looking for his 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 woman coon at the local top of national public radio in Minnesota type of thing. He was looking for the bright light, the things that's they do for my, love. <laughs> that's my theory. That's my theory. Anyway, let's take a quick break, man. I appreciate it. I'm horticulture Stella Rushing. This is. Mississippi Public Broadcast. We got the lines wide open. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture Silver Rush. We hope you enjoyed that little segue. We've got some lines open. If you want to give us a call, it's about gardening. If you got questions or comments. Give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Also, if you want to shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. By the way, if you know of any garden-related events coming up that I can help promote, shoot us an email. I love to promote garden stuff uh, anywhere close to where people are listening. That's a garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, meanwhile, let's talk with Will. He's calling from Jackson. Morning, sir. Hey, Felder. Sure. Got a... Got a quick question for you. I've got some uh, some kind of little beetles. They're tan. They're about a I don't know about a quarter inch long, and uh, they are munching up a lot of my my vegetable leaves, mostly strawberries. But they're also going after the rose bushes and stuff. They're m- munching little holes in the leaves. Yeah, a couple. Of, there, there's several beetles that do that. A couple of things come to mind. First of all, beetles. Uh, if they're just eating holes here and there, I really wouldn't worry about it. As long as the leaves are still green, the plant's still growing, for the most part, you know, that's more cosmetic than anything. So I, I wouldn't worry about it unless it's just destroying the parts you want to eat or just wiping out the new growth. Uh, and the reason why is because it's really hard to kill beetles. They're unlike soft-bodied bugs. Beetles are hard-bodied, and what it takes to kill them sometimes can, cannot be good to spray off stuff like that you're about to eat. If I was yeah. going to use anything at all, uh, Will, I would use this stuff, any, anything that has as an active ingredient, pyrethrin. Uh, pyrethrin is a natural uh, product made from sesame leaves. Uh, it's, it's low toxicity. I would not spray it directly on strawberries you're going to eat within the next week or so, even though it's natural. But if you'll spray the underside of the leaves late in the day with pyrethrins, that's where the, the, the bee will stay overnight. That'll work about as well as any kind of chemical you can use and be a little bit safer, too. But do it late in the day when the bees are all in. It'll work overnight. And except for soft things like strawberries, I wouldn't worry about getting on most vegetables. All right. Well, thanks so much. Okay. It's, that's, that's just a, you know, it's just a, a sort of a, a – it ain't going to be easy, but that'll help. Appreciate all right. Thanks man. so much. Alrighty, uh, let's go down to Meadville. George, what's going on in your neck of the woods? 
wet down here. But I, look, my question is, I planted some seed. I want to grow me some fall tomato plants. When should I yeah. plant, plant the actual plant? Oh well, you know you can you can plant tomatoes any time in June, July, early August, and still make it. But I would hold off until the middle of June. Are they already up and, and growing? No, I just already. Plant. I just planted. Okay, that should be fine because it's going to take them over oh, uh, four or five weeks to get really big enough to to set out. Uh, so I'd wait till the middle of June, end of uh, I mean, excuse me, the middle of July or so to set them out by the first of August. Let, let me give you a real quick tip, George. I don't know if, uh, if you've grown these things before from seed, but once those plants come up and get their first little sets of real leaves, put them out where they get at least three or four hours of direct sunshine because that's what makes them sturdy and stocky. Real sunshine and also the wind blowing them around a little bit, that makes them sturdy and stocky to the long and leggy. So give them some sunshine, a little bit of wind, and at least for three or four hours. That'll, that'll sturdy them up. All right, I got one more question. Okay. What is the most acid-tasting tomato that you can plant? <laughs> what a good question, and it is impossible to answer that. And I'll tell you why. We've done tests on 150 or more different kinds of tomatoes, and oddly enough, they all have the same acidity, just some have more sugar than others. Um, and, I'm, you know, this, this, I, I tell you, you go online very much? No, uh uh-uh. Okay. Well, I was thinking if you shoot me an email, there's there's probably half a dozen uh, t- tomatoes that have less sugar, which makes it more acidic. But stay tuned. Let's see what other people call in and say about it, because I tend to go for the ones that have a little more sugar and a little more sweet things. So off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you what the, the, the most bite you're going to get. But stay tuned. And if not, if you get a chance, uh, stay tuned next week, and I'll I'll come, come back with have a little research. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, folks, there's a challenge. Tomatoes are all acidic, but some have got a lot of natural sugars in them that cover it up. If any of you have one that has a real acid bite to it, what's the this people are likely to find? Give us a call. We, we George down in Neesville looking for some tomatoes that have that good old make you wink one eye type of acid bite. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Got the lines wide open. You want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring By the way, let me mention a couple of things that, that, that I do during the week. Uh, Mississippi Press Association, which represents uh, all the, the local and daily uh, weekly newspapers in Mississippi, uh, sends my weekly column out to dozens of weekly papers and daily papers in the state. Um, so if you're interested in, in uh, reading my columns, they're... Um, they're, they're timely. I write them specifically for us, and, I, and because I don't sell anything, I can just have a little bit of fun. Anyway, check with your local paper, whether it's a daily or weekly. See if your editors uh, want to plan on including this, and because it doesn't cost me anything. If they belong to the Mississippi Press Association, it's a free service for them. So let us know about that. Uh, if you want to give us a call, talk about gardening. One eight seven seven MPB ring. I also want to mention that this past week I went out to a uh, uh, Walls Garden is out close to Wales. Wales is uh, uh, in the, the western part of, of Great Britain. Uh, fantastic herb garden, a sunken garden, a really nice stumpery. A stumpery is where people take old stumps and logs and start throwing them away. They place them carefully together, stand some of them up, and then they plant ferns and hosses and other woodland plants. 
it's an interesting use of old tree debris. One of my neighbors in Jackson has it in his front yard. Uh, rather than haul off this big old fallen tree, he moved bits up around and turned it to a nice little shade garden with the added benefit of being an attractive wildlife habitat. Um, anyway, back to the thing thing. On this week's blog of mine, I uploaded some images. I took it last week's Royal Horticulture Society Chatsworth Flower Show, where bottle trees are featured along with an unbelievable array of, array of other garden art plants. If you want to check it out, go to uh, my blog. I don't sell anything. It's called FelderRushing.blog, or just FelderRushing blog. It'll take you to it. This week's Chatsworth Flower Show. Okay, uh, Javi, you say we had somebody who called and had the scoop? Yeah, we did have a caller. She couldn't uh, really stay on the line as long uh, to, you know, talk to you directly. But uh, she did have a question about trimming uh, trimming a pomegranate, uh, about, I guess, how to and uh, when is the right time to uh, trim her pomegranate, a pomegranate tree. Uh, that's a good question. You know, they're more like big bushes and, and trees. Pomegranates bloom in the late spring. They have kind of an orange-red flower. And uh, so it... it Pruning it now is not going to hurt it for next year, but if you're going to prune it, I go ahead and get it done pretty soon in the next uh, month or so so the new growth has time to come out, mature, and set flower buds for next year's flowers before fall. So uh, the main thing, if you're going to prune any kind of spring-blooming plant, of course, you don't want to cut off any fruit that's on it, but they're already done flowering. As long as you don't cut off any fruit, you can prune it back any time from now until the first part of August. I really wouldn't prune any shrub hard after August because it doesn't have time for the new growth to mature before fall. And I get any spring-blooming plants pruned sometime this month. Um, anyway, let's go down to Gulfport and talk with Rita. Hey, Rita, good morning. Uh, hi, Zelda. Um, Howdy. I have a question about my crepe myrtle. I have two that I really like a lot, and uh-huh. they are right now in full bloom. Yeah. My blooms are not lasting very long. They turn brown quickly. You know, it's, just, it's kind of unusual. The only thing I can pick up, there's not much that affects crepe myrtle blooms themselves because they're little small things, individual flowers on stems. Unless you have some kind of insect that's infecting that little bud, uh, there's a tiny insect called a thrip. I'll tell you how you can tell a thrip. Do you have any roses or gardenias nearby? No, I don't. Well, if you feel, those are the easiest ways to find through. Take some of the the, uh, the crepe myrtle buds that are just beginning to open, and thump them really hard on a white piece of paper. Look for tiny little cigar-shaped insects. There, two or three will fit on a typewritten letter I. They're little skinny things, and they bore down into to flower buds and damage the petals before they open. This happens to gardenias and roses a lot. Um, Unfortunately, there's not much you can do about it because they're so small. You have to spray something that's going to poison a whole plant, and that ain't easy to do on a big tree. So yeah. uh, I don't know what else to say. There's, there's well, nothing practical I can recommend. I didn't know if it had anything to do with the rain or lack of rain. Well, it, it, it won't be lack of rain. Crate myrtle bloom in cemeteries, but it could be that, that because of all this rain, maybe fertilizer or something, they might have grown a little bit extra lush this, this year, and that tends to, to promote leafy growth over flower growth. A lot of times plants will shed flowers if they have too much fertilizer plus too much water. Anyway, that's, that's nothing but educated guess. Okay. All right. Thank you. 
ride around, enjoy other people, go to go to the uh, craft store, get you some uh, little blossoms, and wire them on. That'll make you feel better. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I guess we probably would all take a little bit of a break, job because I'm, I'm starting to get a little silly there, wasn't I? Hey, uh, I mean, just be a filter. Hey, be, before we do that, I got a, an email from a guy named John, I guess it's Bo, B-A-U-G-H. He sent me a link of a of a competition in Japan. Job, I'm not making this up. I'm gonna send it to you. It's a, a competition in Japan where landscapers, Japanese landscapers, on one one day a year, they get together in one place with their little pickup truck, little miniature pickup trucks, and they build gardens in the back of it. I mean, entire landscapes with water fountains and fish and all sorts, just unbelievable little landscapes in the back of the truck. Can't drive them anywhere because they're too big. But uh, I think we need to figure some way to get this out so people who want to uh, who, who want to see it can, uh, can can look at it. It's really incredible. It gives me the idea of maybe something we could do in the Jackson or or in Mississippi sometime. Anyway, Japanese gardeners, landscape gardeners, one day they do competitions in building entire gardens in the back of their pickup trucks. So cool. Anyway, we're gonna take a quick break. Our first culture still rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. I'm, uh, we're going to be talking about nothing gardening at the end of the hour. If you give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. And I thought I'd play a little tune in honor of Father's Day. So I hope you enjoy this. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on MPB right after this. Dad, oh dad, we love you so. Today, Father, is Father's Day, and we're giving you a tie. It's not much we know, it's just our way of showing you we think you're a regular guy. You say that it was nice of us to bother But it really was a pleasure to fuss For according to our mother You're our father And that's good enough for us The tie that you got Didn't cost such a lot But we will give you The same tie next year You tell us it was nice of us to bother But it really was a For they say a child can only have one father And you are the one for us Yes, you
An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Stella Rushing. Talking about gardening. And uh, by the way, Java, I may have beaten you to something. I know every time I mention something, I might be online, you immediately start looking at your phone. So I'd be surprised if you didn't already Google it. But I went to both Yahoo and Google, and I just typed in Japanese truck gardens or truck gardens in Japan. Either way, and it takes you right to pictures of these Japanese landscapers doing the coolest little garden, complete garden, even with live fish and everything. So go online and just type in any combination of Japanese truck gardens or truck gardens in Japan, and you'll see exactly what I'm in. I really appreciate uh, John sending that, John Bow for sending me that link. Now, let's slide out of the south a little bit and go up to New York. Hey, Michael, what makes you call a southerner about gardening? <laughs> um, I'm actually from the south, uh... Uh, I'm driving up in this area right now. Okay, what you got going on? Uh, I, I wanted to ask you a question about uh, building a composting bin. Um, yeah. I got some some home time coming up. I drive trucks. Uh, I got some home time coming up, and um, I already have a hydroponic system set up for growing yeah. lettuce, but I had some, uh, a friend of mine gave me um, one of his tomatoes that he had grown in his, his composting area, and it was delicious. And I was yeah. thinking about doing my tomatoes hydroponically. Um, they usually grow a lot and bring it back out on the truck with me. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> The, the taste of that tomato was was amazing. Okay, and, well, uh, I don't know if you're aware that I actually grow vegetables and herbs in the back of my 1988 Ford F-150, and I've driven it to New York with tomatoes and peppers in the back of it. But I don't know how you're going to get away with that with an 18-wheeler unless you've got a skylight in the back of it. <laughs> oh, well, no. I, um, I, I oh, you're talking about home. growing some and taking them with you. Yeah, yeah, and then I bring them up here with me, you know. Okay, here's the deal. First of all, tomatoes need sunshine. So you have to put this thing out where it gets some sun, right? All a compost bin is is a fenced-in leaf pile. So anything you can make, you can get wooden pallets. You can wire three wooden pallets together or four of them if you want to and, and just pile stuff in that and then plant stuff around the edge of it if you want to. Or else you can get... Uh, four posts, like four by four posts, and set some, uh, you know what hardware cloth is, that half-inch hardware cloth? Yes, sir. You know, you can stretch that around three sides of it, just pile it up. It, it, to me, it's better to have two bins side by side, so you can be filling one up with leaves one year, and you plant it the next year while you fill the oven up the next year. That way you just go back and forth, filling one and growing in one, back and forth. You don't have to turn it or aerate it, do all that gardening stuff. Just pile everything in it, leaves, uh, food scraps, eggshells, banana peels, anything that will break down you can put in there. It takes a while to break down, though, so you need to start on this fall, and then you can plant stuff in it next spring. And then once you get going, if you have two bins side by side, you can just fill one and one back and forth. But it needs to be at least three and a half or four feet 
by three and a half or four feet, you know, to, to, to really make an effective pile. If it's smaller than that, it's just going to sit there. All right. Thank you. Okay. It, it, remember, it's a concept, not a recipe. All you need is some kind of fence that holds a bunch of leaves and food scraps and stuff like that, coffee grounds, anything that will break down is going to make it richer. And uh, start it this fall, plant it next spring, and, you're, and you will have bragging rights at every truck stop along the way. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank hey, you. Hey, hey, and watch your brakes. A friend of mine named Mark just burned his, his, uh, his, his tractor trailer up. Up in North oh. Dakota, because his, his brakes overheated, burned it up on the side of the road. Be careful. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. You have a nice day. Appreciate the call. Okay. Michael wants to take tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes, and bragging rice on the road, and I salute that. Hey, let's go down to Adams County. Hey, Barbara, what's going on? Are, are, you say Adams County like you're not really from Natchez or something. Hello. Hello. Are you from Natchez or outside Natchez? Me? Yes, I can. How are you? Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Barbara. Uh, but I enjoy hearing you. I thoroughly enjoy it. But at any rate, I've got a problem with a uh, tree. Uh, but uh, I, I just got, I couldn't say it right there. It's a bay leaf. Uh, it's about 20 feet tall, and I've had it for a long time. But all uh-huh. of a sudden, it's got a lot of leaves on it. Look like like they're dead, but they're still green, too. And I was wondering if there's something I can spray on it. I wouldn't know what to spray on it. It's tall. Not, not really. This is the kind of bay leaf that you, that you cook with, right? Right, right. Okay. Okay, keep in mind, we had a really cold, cold spell back in January. And bay trees, they'll grow up as far as Memphis, but the further north you go, the smaller they get, the more damage you get from cold weather. So I'm going to suspect two things. First of all, Barbara, look on it, and if the leaves on the ends of the branches look fine, then it's just last year's leaves that are looking bad. In other words, the stuff that went through this winter, it's going to look rough right now. As long as it's got new growth on the ends of the branches, though, the plant's fine. You may just need to prune it back every now and then like you would an overgrown shrub. Instead of keeping it like a tree, grow it like a big bush, you just cut it back every now and then to get some strong new growth on it. Well, see, I've let this one grow. I, like I said, it's it's 20 feet tall. And yeah, and which, it, is, which is I know we tall. had a cold winter, but it just amazed me. I don't know as much. I don't know anywhere near as much as you do. So I don't know how well, these things are supposed to go. But And I'm supposed to prune it down? How tall should I let it get? Well, you know, my, my mother had a bay tree up in Indianola, which is about 150, 160 miles north of you. And every yeah. now and then, she would just cut it down like a bush and sprout back out. Oh, okay. You know? Well, now, this tree is, is skinny, but real tall. And then yeah. the new leaves that are coming out, I'm seeing that about the new leaves come out green, but right away they turn brown again. That's why I thought maybe oh. it needed to be sprayed oh. with something. Oh. The, but the, it has the so new... many dead leaves on it. Uh, okay. If there was something to spray yeah. on it, or maybe just no. cut it down because it's a skinny tree. It's one. One little. Oh, okay. Okay. First of all, up. Hang on a second. Sprays don't cure. Hang on. Listen, listen, Barbara. Sprays don't cure diseases. They protect undiseased stuff from getting disease. So there's no spray that's going to help that plant. See. So what I would do is I would just prune it, start it back over. You know how sometimes azaleas look really bad after hard winter. People cut them down, sprout back out. You can do a bay the same way. Okay, just just cut it back down to about how tall should I let it get? 
it's up to you because it'll sprout back out. And you know, just, you know, I've seen azaleas that are ten feet tall. People cut okay. down to, to knee high and they come back out. Okay. I can well, hurt I it. Guess to I guess I to cut it back then because I hate to leave. I mean, I've had it for years and years. Okay. Well, it's uh, so, sometimes they need to be it's what they call rejuvenated, and that's what this kind of pruning is called. An okay, old azalea so camellia. I shouldn't spray it then. Just just cut it uh, back. There, there's no spray that's going to – it's not an insect or disease that you're spraying for. So, you know, there's, there's no spray you, that, that would work. I see. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate okay. your, your help. You're a if good you, man. If you, need, if you need more information, Barbara, shoot me an email. I can get a whole lot more detail. But just send me an email if you have – or some pictures or something. Maybe we could take it a step further. Okay. And, and your email address, I'm supposed to know yes. by now. That's really the garden – at mpbonline.org. Hey, I will do that. Thank you so much. Okay, good luck on it. All righty. Sometimes, you know, folks, sprays are for specific things, just like medicine. You don't just go in a drugstore and grab a bottle of something and just start chugging it. You know, you got to have a reason for spraying stuff. And there's no off spray. There's no magic foo-foo dust out there. What I'm saying. Anyway, let's go to negotiate close to the Gulf Coast. Hey, Diane. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? What can I help you with? Yes, I have. I think somebody put some weed growing in my yard because I have a lot of tall yellow leaves. Well, not leaves, but you know, uh, weeds and some tall purple ones. But my grass it doesn't need to be mowed. So, is there anything I can do manually myself to get rid of those? or to help the, the problem before I get my next mowing. Okay, you you probably have either St. Augustine or centipede grass, one of those two. Okay, and, I'm not what sure will which kill, one it is. What will kill, yeah, what will kill most weeds will kill St. Augustine or centipede. So, okay. you know, unless we know specifically what the weed is, is not anything, once they start flowering, it's hard to kill a plant that's in bloom because it's sending okay. all of its energy up in the flowers. Better to control okay. them while they're small and little without hurting your grass. So I'm afraid right now, you know, until we can identify the flowers, which I can do if you send me a picture, uh, that all I can recommend really safely for the grass is just to just keep mowing it. Okay. There's not, not right. any spray that's going to kill flowering weeds in the lawn. It's not going to hurt the lawn. That's pretty much uh, kind of a bottom line thing. I wish there was, but there ain't. Okay, then. All right, I thought maybe I would get out there and with some, not scissors, but some something to cut them down a little bit until they, the mowing uh, time is again. You know, if you okay. got a, if you got a phone on your camera, you can see me a good, clear, close-up picture. At least we can identify the flower. And while you're at it, see if there's butterflies and bees and stuff on it. See if you can't mow around a clump or two, because they might just be pretty too. We don't have to have all yeah. grass. Yeah, they are pretty. <laughs> they are pretty. Okay. Well, just leave, leave some of them and cut some of them and just, you know, and shoot for the happy medium. That's a whole lot easier. Trust me. All righty. Okay. Diane, okay. appreciate it. Oh, here I am lecturing. I'm lecturing grown-ups. I don't need to be lecturing grown-ups about what to do and how to do it, but if you, if you need a solution, I'll come up best I can to come up with a solution, but sometimes there's just not a good solution. And I'm, since I'm nonprofit, I work in garden centers, I've studied horticulture. If there's something I can recommend that I think is safe and effective, I'll recommend it. But if it's not, I'm going to do my best to try to look for that happy medium. 
that's sort of a hallmark of mine. Not let it grow, just whatever happens, happens. But what's the best, easiest, safest, all-around solution? If you want some more information, shoot me an email. We can get in a lot more detail than I can here on the radio. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Horticulture Spell to Rushing. You listen to the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting, the only place you'll find talk photos like this during the week. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, that's Welcome back to Horticulture. Here I am up in England. It's nice and cool here. They grow some stuff here. You know, you've heard of lupins, you've heard of uh, foxglove. These are weeds in England. I mean, you walk on these country paths where they've got these brick walls that have been there, I mean, rock walls for 200 years, and they've got reseeding foxglove growing out of the rocks. It won't grow in Mississippi's hot, humid climate. Um, but there's things that we can grow in England. Right now, my garden, which I've, I've, I have people sending me pictures of it, I've got purple coneflowers, lantana, black-eyed Susan, gara, zinnias, little Jim magnolia, vitex, okra. Those things won't grow in England, folks. They just won't grow here at all. So enjoy what we have. It's hot and humid, but enjoy the stuff that loves it. Meanwhile, let's slide back down towards Adams County to Natchez and talk with Lee. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Felda. How are you? So far, so good. What's going on today? You getting rain like the somebody called earlier from from uh, from that down in uh, in um, uh, Meadville said it was raining. How about with you? Uh, no rain. We never get rain. Okay. <laughs> it was raining south of you. What can I help you with? Well, I have uh, a couple of very large oleander, and they uh-huh. were badly damaged by the cold. Right. And uh, I, the spring came on so fast, I didn't get a chance to go out and, and cut off the dead, which was all. And, of it. It, and it rained yeah. every day, too. Yeah. So what happened is new grow, the, some of it, half of it's dead, half of it's not. And it's completely interdispersed and is blooming now. Should I right. do something? Is there anything to do or should I just let it alone? Well, you know, uh, any of the above or all of the above. You know, if you don't do anything, the dead stuff is going to just wither away. You know, sooner or later it's going to be kind of ugly. If you cut it all down, it will sprout back out. It blooms on new growth, um, which, is, you know, if you're paying somebody to do it, just get them to do that. If you do it yourself, why don't you just cut out the dead stuff, and you know, down close and leave some of the other stuff and, you know, just do some of each. So it won't hurt it at this juncture. The, you know, oleander, I've seen it growing in the Mojave Desert in full bloom. Uh, it blooms pretty much continuously in the tropics. So if you cut it down now, it'll put out new growth, and it will bloom later this summer and fall. Blooms on new growth, just like roses and crepe myrtles. All right, then. That's what I'll do. Okay, listen, wear some gloves and don't, don't, don't lick your fingers because the sap right. of oleander is poison. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you very much, Felder. You, you have a good, good luck on it. Thank you. Bye-bye. We had a lot of – thank you for your call. That was Lee and Natchez. We've got some lines open. got plenty of time if you want to give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring I want to emphasize that here in Mississippi, our public broadcasting, uh, the, the the powers that be, you know, from, from Ronnie Agnew, the executive director, uh, all, all the way on down through the channels, 
we're the only place where you can have live call-in local programs Monday through Friday, nonprofit. We don't sell stuff. And it's a really good opportunity to take advantage of local people doing their best to give you good, solid local information. So I hope, hope you remember that every time we have a little thing rolls around to, to help us out. Anyway, if you have questions during the week, shoot me an email. I think that I'm caught up. I'm pretty sure that I've answered all of my emails. There's a couple of friends I haven't uh, checked back with yet. But in general, I try to get to them that day or within a couple of three days. If you want to shoot me an email, go to garden at mpbonline.org and get sent right to me, garden at mpbonline.org. A couple of examples. I got a, an email this week from Troy Holmes. He said, I hope this finds you well. I'm doing some work for a family member at some apartments in Macomb, and this vine is everywhere. He sent me a picture. It reminds me of poison ivy, and I'm extremely allergic to poison ivy. The three leaves are about as big as my hand. Is it poisonous or what? Turned out, I've been saying all these years, poison ivy, the main thing, has got three leaflets. But kudzu, he's got kudzu back there. And I looked at it, and kudzu looks like big fur. Poison ivy has real slick-looking leaves. Uh, kudzu is kind of a, not sandpapery, but not real slick and smooth. But kudzu looks like giant poison ivy. Never knew that until he sent me a picture of it. Anyway, um, he can try to get rid of it if he wants to, or he can try to... To to to, uh, to just eat it. All parts of kudzu are edible. Hey, Java, what you got going? You just sent me a little buzz about a, a thank you letter. Yeah, Felder, I um, got a, f- a thank you letter in the mail, and it actually came a little while ago. But I I I, I fall short of being perfect sometimes. <laughs> you got th- you, you got three kids, Java. Cut you some slack. But this is this is it, it's real nice. It was a uh, um, it was made by Master Gardener Judy Kelly from the Adams County uh, Master Gardeners, and they wanted to thank you and me for uh, announcing their uh, annual plant sale that they had in April. And I'm gonna put a picture up on our website, but it has a flower that is a I'm a I'm gonna mess it up, but I'm gonna try a more Mornanda did didia. Uh, flower. Mornorda. There you go. A Mornorda. Yes, yes, yes. Pink flowers. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So, um, wanted to say thank you for them for thanking us for, uh, you know, just, uh, announcing their, announcing their event. It's a team effort, man. We appreciate when we get a little feedback about that too. Thank you. Oh yeah. It was a pleasant surprise. Well, uh, hey, I got another, speaking of email, well, that was a, they actually took time to write and mail a letter. Yes, it's a hand handwritten letter, and the flower, it's uh, it's a flower press, so it's an actual flower pressed onto the onto the uh, note. It's like it's it's real awesome. It's so awesome. Well, I'm sure that it, 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 I'm sure you want to keep it, but maybe I, you know, we can have it framed and, and hang it up someplace. If not, I want for my little cabin. <laughs> we can we, we can fight over it. There you go. I got it. Hey, I got a, another email from Clark Blakeney. Uh, said I have a variety of grass, a variety of grass in my lawn: Bermuda, centipede, and Saint Augustine. My question is: Should I mulch or bag my grass clippings when I mow? I didn't bag it last year, and I noticed what appeared to be a lot of fats building up in certain areas. Just wondering if bagging the grass clippings would help. And the answer is no. Every publication on lawn care nowadays, they all say better to let your clippings fall. Clippings don't actually make thatch. 
that's in the middle of the old stems and, and, and debris and stuff. But the grass clippings themselves actually provide nitrogen, which help the old stuff decompose. The trick is mow a little bit more often. If you're leaving big clumps of grass out there, it's going to shade stuff out. So anyway, mow regularly. Mow high. Raise your mower in the summertime. This helps grass cope with the heat and the humidity and the drought of summertime. Mowing on the high side is better for your grass. And recycle those clippings. Mow regularly. Let those clippings fall back and recycle. If they're bumping up out on the lawn, you're mowing a little bit. need them to mow a little bit more often. hate to say that, but uh, that's sort of a turpentine type thing. The rule of thumb is try not to cut more than about a third or so of the grass at a time. You know, the blades, that way it leaves enough to make energy. But if you're cutting it when it's wet or when it's too tall, it's going to clump up and that's going to cause dead spots. But anyway, grass clippings regularly just mowed into the lawn, don't create fats. They actually have a helpful effect on that. Plus, they feed you worms. So if you do it anyway, I hope you got a leaf pile or compost pile where you can pile those up someplace else and grow some dirt out of it. Those kind of little easy tips, easy, easy tips. doesn't matter to me whether it's grass or not or wildflowers or not or vegetables or flowers. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever you want to do. We're going to try to help you with that. If you want to use natural stuff or you don't mind using chemicals, it doesn't really matter to me. That's between you and your conscience. But if you want to know the easiest, best, most practical solution, I'll give it my best shot. That's what I do. Again, email me during the week, garden at mpbonline.org. I've got Good Talk Garden Production, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer is laid back my hard-working Java Chapman, and our phone greeter is our boss, Jason Klein. Um, I'm going to be thinking of all of y'all as we get out and about here in northern England, but meanwhile, hunker down, stay cool, stay hydrated, wear a hat. If you get a chance to take a kid on a field trip to a farmer's market or to a garden center, give them a $5 bill and let them play around and learn about what we know is the best way to do, and that's to get dirty. See y'all next week. <laughs>